pass it on. What is that it? Why is it in red? Why is it italicized? What is that it? That is the it that we are going to discuss this morning. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God had commanded me to teach you. That you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. May God be glorified at the reading of his word. Let us pray. God, we thank you that we have your word. We can discuss it. We can get guidance from it. And we have your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, that can give us the power to live a godly life. Speak to all of us, we pray. Override my preparation, I ask, so that we only listen to what you want us to hear and do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. What's the title of our message this morning? Pass it on. Moses led God's people through the wilderness. But because Moses did not represent God as holy to his people, when God told him, speak to the rock, he hit the rock twice. And the people saw that Moses did not honor God as holy in front of them. And the consequence of his choice, remember? Remember? You are free to choose, 
but you are not free to escape the consequences of your choice. What God did, Moses, you are not going to enter into the promised land. So he is giving his final instructions. He is reminding them, you are going to go over to the land that God has promised your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going over and you're going to possess this land, this land flowing with milk and honey. A lot of us come to the United States. Why? Because it is the land flowing with milk and honey. It is the land where traffic actually moves. <laughs> it is we are free. We have the freedom of expression. We have a lot of freedoms in the United States, yes? Moses is giving them his instructions. Now, this is the commandment. This is the it. This is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments, which the Lord our, your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going to possess it. So that your son, your grandson, might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. For what purpose? That your days may be prolonged. So Moses is giving the Israelites their marching orders. The commandments that Moses is teaching them that they are to follow and obey for what purpose? so that their life may be prolonged. Now, how many generations do you see? Look at the verse. How many generations? First, me, Moses. And then he says, you, us too. And then you to your son. That's three. From me to you, to you to your son, to your son to your grandson. How many generations? Four. So how many generations of godly children should we endeavor to produce? Or are you just happy with my family? It's okay. We are Christian. That's it. I've done my job. Glory to God. How many generations? Four. So my friends, our job is just beginning. My job has just begun. Until I see my son reproducing a godly generation and his son after him I have not yet completed the task that God has given to me. And he has given this during the time of Moses. And his instruction, if you read it carefully, the pathway to blessing, the pathway to a prolonged life is very simple. Obey the commands and the statutes of our God. Because the commandments that God gives us is not to restrict us. It is a matter of fact 
to free us up. Let me give you an example. God, will you bless me? Your hands is like this. Natanggal. And then the blessings will come. Hop! Nakasara. But if your hands are open, yes? God, I will obey you no matter what. Or, God, obey naman ang obey. Follow the instructions Moses said. Because if you follow this, all the days of your life, you may, your life may be prolonged. And look at it. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be where? In your heart. Psalm 119 says this, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Some of us have the God's word in our phone. Some of us have God's word in post-it, post-it, in our bathroom. What is God telling us? Where should it be? In our heart. How can it be in our heart? We have to open our Bible. We have to read. We have to meditate. We have to listen. Because faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. Now, how can you expect that God's word reside in your heart if you don't spend the time? You don't make the investment to study, to learn, to meditate on the word of God. Well, I do it on Sunday for an hour listening to Pastor Insong, Pastor Reggie, Pastor Danny, or whoever. Is that enough to sustain you for the rest of the week? It's not enough for me. I don't know about you. These words I'm commanding to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your son. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you will bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost. Kita mo, may post-it pa. Doorpost of your house and on your gate. What are we supposed to do? Teach what? Diligently. It means with intentionality. I don't know about you, but in elementary, when you have the report card, you, you have the subjects, but you have the non, non-tangibles. Diligence. In my report card, it had diligence, neatness, right? Punctuality. Oh, diba? Diligence means you invest the time, you make the effort, teach them diligently. There is one way to teach them. Anak, Alika, I want you to grow up to be a godly woman or man of God. Here's the Bible, okay? See you in heaven. (laughs) Well, Pastor, there's, there's so much in the Bible to teach. And to teach diligently is going to be a mountain for us. Well, we have tried to filter it down, right? To what? Philippians. Chapter 2, verse 3, 
to a humility and selflessness. Because the opposite is pride and selfishness. The root of 99.999% of conflicts comes from fright. Fried. Parang good. I think I'm hungry already. Comes from pride and self selfishness. The me first attitude. Right? The me first attitude. Oh, let's put it to the test. You're in line in the grocery. You want to pay. Somebody cuts in front of you. Oh. Mm. I'm a Christian. I will not respond. But inside, mm. if you're in the wacky races, you remember the dog? Look, these words that I'm commanding to you today shall be on your heart. So who is the first one? From Moses to you, the leader of the home. Because we want every family to be a discipleship group. So when you read the Bible and it says you, who is that referring to? You, not me. You. When I read it, it refers to me. When you read it, it refers to you. You shall diligently teach them to your children. They don't become godly simply because you are godly. You have to make the effort. Now, how am I going to make the effort to help my children become godly? First, I must be godly. Correct? How? Look at the verse. You shall teach them diligently. You shall talk to them when you sit on your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You bind them on the sign of your hand. They will be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Simply put, my friends, I submit to you that you and I should model. We should model it for our children rather than teaching them, okay, open. Chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say, etc., etc. So what do you plan to do about it, etc., etc. But if you couple that with modeling, for example, you're doing Philippians 2, 3 to 8, and then you're just asking your children, so how are you in the area of humility and selflessness? Well, I think like this, like that. And then they will say, how about you, dad? Oh, you're not supposed to ask me because I'm supposed to ask you. What am I communicating? Double standard. Incorrect. You model it. And many times, the more powerful teaching is modeling. Jesus Christ modeled it. He modeled it in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have this attitude. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, that word existed means in essence. Because of who he is, he is God. In essence, he is God. Who, although in essence is God, did not regard equality with God because we have the triune God 
co-equals with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. The bathroom is dirty. You come in, the bathroom is dirty. Where is Pastor Insom? Why don't you just clean it? Too high for your pay grade? Who's going to use the bathroom anyway? It's you, right? And if people around you see, instead of looking for somebody else to clean the bathroom, you do it by initiative, you clean it. Next time if they come in and the bathroom is clean, perhaps they'll do the same thing because they saw you do it. Yes or no? Yes. Jesus modeled it for us. He is God. He did not cling to his being God, co-equal with God the Father and God the, the Holy Spirit. He did not regard his position as something to be clung to. Sa Tagalog, ano? Kapit, toko. Uh, teacher Pao, ikaw na lang mag-explain kay brother Philip ko ano yung kapit, toko, okay? But what did he do? What did he do? He emptied himself. He emptied himself. He did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. He didn't want to cling to his position and his essence as God. He emptied himself, and what did he do? He clothed himself with humanity. Creator God, Jesus, who was from the beginning, who, according to Colossians, says, nothing in all creation was created without him, for all creation was created by him and for him and for his good pleasure. He became part of his creation. He became one like us in form. But he did not set aside 100% his being God. That's why Jesus Christ is both God and man at the same time. He emptied himself and taking the form not of an ordinary human being. He became, he took the form of a bond servant. A bond servant is one who is a servant by choice. We have servants because we hire them. Bond servants in the Old Testament, you know a bond servant by this. For example, the owner releases him. You are now a free man. You are no longer my slave. But because the servant loves the master so much, he says, I want to serve you for life. So the owner will get an owl, a sharp piece of wood, and will pierce his ear to the door. That is a bond servant. By choice. He became a bond servant. He became obedient to the will of the Father. And how? He, first, he became the likeness of human beings. Of man. And then what happened? Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. It is already very humbling to be God, to be the creator and be part of your creation, is it not? 
That's already a humbling experience. I shared with you in the past. I rose up, you know, from position analyst to assistant trader, to trader, to senior trader, to assistant manager, senior manager, all the way to assistant vice president. And then when I come to the U.S., I have no job. There's this job that opens up. Pastor, I have a job. Yes. Yes. Maintenance too. Never mind because I ask God. Okay. So what? Mop the floor. Obey warehouse. But God did not leave me. Because my fellow janitor, his name is Moses. <laughs> so I map it, hey, Moses, what's next? Oh, the toilet over there. Okay, Moses, no problem. You see, you ask for a job, God gives you a job, what should you do? Accept it. Yes? God, will you give me a job? Here's the job. Oh, you can't. That's why you be careful what you ask for. Because God might just give it to you. Right? Be careful. What did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The most cruel and painful kind of death. Only the Romans perfected it. After the Romans, people were not executed by crucifixion anymore because it was so, so bad. He became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. He showed us the way. He showed us the Father by modeling humility and obedience. Lord, God, if it is possible, let this cup pass, but yet not my will, but your will be done. Are you imposing your will on God or do you want God's will for your life? Many times that's the tension. That's why you're not happy with God. Because you're telling God, Something that he has not provided or something that is not, it is not his will for you. God, I'm going to do this. You just bless it, okay? Paul put it this way. Imitate me. Finish it. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So Lord willing, when my children, my wife, all of you guys, look at me, you see the reflection of Christ. I did not say perfect. Because nobody is perfect. Each one of us, according to Philippians chapter 1, is what? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. And you are free to call my attention pertaining to Christ-likeness. Some of you have called my attention. I hope I have responded in a godly manner because I desire 
to reflect Christ. I desire to imitate Christ. Now look at the challenge of Paul. Can you tell your children, imitate me? But then you don't imitate Christ? Paul only challenged the Corinthians, Corinthian believers, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You only imitate the godly things that your model is displaying for you. You don't take everything. I used to smoke three packs a day. So my children saw it. So are they supposed to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day? Of course not. They only imitate the godly stuff. They filter it out. This is not good. Therefore, I should not follow that. My dad is a bad example in this area. I should not follow that. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And Paul writes also, as he echoes Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, my son, Paul is writing Timothy. So from Paul to Timothy. There, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, who will, all, who will be able to teach others also. How many generations? Four. Just as in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have four generations. So I imitate Christ, Lord willing, my children will imitate Christ, their families after them will imitate Christ, and then my great-grandchildren will imitate Christ then I would have established a legacy. Not an inheritance, but a legacy. That is what I desire to do. And Moses warned the people. He warned them to obey God, to keep focus on God. Because look, then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into land, to the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities you did not build, houses full of all goods you did not fill, hewn sisters you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. And when you eat and when you are satisfied, then watch yourself. Watch yourself. Why? That you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of slavery, out of out, the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You, you shall fear only the Lord your God and you shall worship him and swear by his name. It's a trap. If our life is always just so good and so blessed with abundance. How many of you really pray when life is good? Don't answer. But when things don't go your way. <laughs> right? If everything is okay, hi God. But when things go wrong, Lupata. <laughs> Can you please pray? Pray for me. Uh, who are you again? 
Because I have not seen you for so long. All of a sudden, because you saw the website, 562-266-4777. That's me. Then you remember God. The warning is there. When you are satisfied, you might forget God. Because the world has enticed you. The life is good. Everything's going strong and everything is going well. Look at the warning of Paul uh, to James. Look at James. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why such strong words? God, you put me in this world. And why don't you like me to be friends with the world that you put me in? Because friendship with the world is enmity towards God. Why? Look at 1 John. We know that we are of God. And the whole world lies in the power of whom? The evil one. So he's in control of this world. The devil. So when you say you like the world, it's like you're paying allegiance to whom? That's why the Bible is very strong. Pay no allegiance to this world. Because this world is controlled by the devil. It's like adultery. You say you love God, but you love the world more than you love God. Do you work for money or does money work for you? All kinds of questions you need to ask yourself. Jesus Christ already knew this. When he said, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will de be devoted to one and despise the other. Finish it. Okay, I'll just show it because you cannot finish. Okay, thy word have I hidden in my heart. Thy word have I hidden in the PowerPoint of pastor in song. Okay, no problem. You cannot serve. You cannot serve God in wealth. In your pursuit of worldly success, in your pursuit of money, fame, and fortune, be careful. Because the warning in Deuteronomy, you might forget the Lord. And there might come a time in your life that you fall in the category of Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand had made me this wealth. Who is responsible according to this statement? Me. Right? What's the reminder? But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power to make wealth, that He may confirm His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
Whatever I am, whatever I have achieved, and whatever I will achieve in the future is only because of God. I cannot say that, you know, I, I am here because I have studied, I have done this, I have done that. Therefore, I'm in this position. I have just removed God from the equation. Do not forget that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability, the power to make wealth. It's all about God. We are at war, my friends. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from your flesh, from fleshly lusts, which what? Wage war against the soul. The devil does not want us to pass on a godly heritage to the generation after us and to the generation after that generation and to the generation after that generation. He wants to trip us up. He wants to make us fall. He wants us to give up. There is a war. And who is the enemy? The world. First John 2. As I read this for you, remember the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. And relate it. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and so is its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Eve thought that the fruit was pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, and good for food. Look at it. Lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life, lust of the flesh. Genesis 3, 1 John 2. The world is our enemy. Don't love the world. Don't invest in the world. Why? Look, the world is passing away. One day, this world will be burned up. When God executes his judgment, this world will be burned up. And then what will you do with your mansions and your new Teslas? Right? When that happens, please interpret for our brother Philip. Pataasan na tayo ng abu. We will see who has the bigger pile of ash. This world will pass away. But look at the promise. He who does the will of God lives forever. Maybe you've heard of this guy, Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson in 1974, Chuck Colson freely confessed to his participation to the Watergate scandal for which he was put in jail. Look at his perspective. When they brought him to jail to serve his sentence, he was a new Christian. Look at his perspective. I found myself increasingly drawn to the idea that God had put me in prison for a purpose and that I should do something for those I had left behind. Look at his perspective. 
Look at Romans chapter 8.28 in this statement. For we know that in all things, God works together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Chuck Colson's perspective is, God put me in prison. God allowed me to go to jail because there is a purpose. And you know what that purpose is? When he got out, he established prison ministries to minister to the families of those people who are in jail. So his incarceration had a godly purpose. Now what else did he say? He said also this, the family, the most basic unit of civilized society is the institution that may well be under the greatest attack in society today. This world is under the control of Satan. And Satan wants to destroy the institutions that God set in place. Male and female, he created them. How many genders does the Bible talk about? Two. Well, let's, let's just remove it. New York moves to erase gender change on birth certificates. Hmm. Very good. Our brother Toti, very expressive, says, wala na lang. Guess what? Look at this video. want to be able to give them the most open opportunity to develop as a whole human uh, and I don't want to be restricting them to what might come with a box as guessed by what their genitals look like. Do you see the, the gender? I didn't see uh, adults that reflected how I felt as a, as a younger self. And so I couldn't imagine what being a grown-up would be like. You give birth to a child? Did you read it? They did not expect the genital region so that they will not assign a gender. My friends, gender is just a matter of anatomy. It's just a matter of X and Y chromosomes. Correct, medical people? Ah, no. And did you catch? He said, I want them to be complete. So you mean to say when the child was born incomplete? Because she has not decided whether she is a... Sorry, I just said gender. I might be sued. And they don't call it, they call it an it already. Because let them decide what they are. Are they 
what, whatever. I, I don't anymore know how to explain it because it is so far from what we have grown up with and what the Bible teaches. Male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. What if the child grows up late? Mom, dad, am I a boy or a girl? You. No, 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 I'm talking about me, but I'm asking, what am I, me, boy or girl? You. I know, I, I know. I no, you, unknown, unspecified. Unknown, unspecified. Oh, paano yun? Okay, let's move. The institution of marriage is the chief vehicle for the perpetuation of the oppression of women. It is through the role of the wife that subjugation of women is maintained. Oh, just because the Bible says, wives, be in submission to your husband, they forget that the Bible, when it comes to the dealing of women, is the most liberal book. The word be subject means to be in order because God is a God of order. And in your family, if you have two heads, what do you have? Monster. <laughs> you have monster. God designed that the family have one leader. You have two leaders, you have monster. The institution of marriage is under attack. Let's not get married na lang. Live in. We just file our taxes. Common law. Whatever it is. I encounter that almost every day when we process uh, renewals. What if do they file taxes together? But their status is like this, head of the family, but you know, they're living together. They don't, there's no marriage certificate. What is this? The world is teaching us this. The world, this world. And if we are not careful not to fall in love with this world, we will be drawn. Being a pastor is a vocation. It is not an easy job. It is a mess, to be honest. And no matter how much money you get paid, it doesn't equate. Because the biggest bonus that as a pastor, as a follower of Christ, is to see a life change. When you see a person coming to faith in Christ, and you see Christ moving in the person's life, and this life slowly, this life slowly begins to reflect Jesus Christ, and then this person is sharing the gospel and reproducing. That's the reward. Not the $110 million. Imagine if I had that, the first thing I will compute, 11 million and tight. Unlucky naman. In contrast, in contrast, the star NFL quarterback of the LA Rams is a Christian. His contract is $120 million. When interviewed, what did he say? How are you going to spend your money? I'm going to eat a lot of Chick-fil-A. Oh, sorry, the Raiders. Then he said, 
Oh yeah, that's right, car. Then he said, my wife will continue to cut the coupons. This money is going to help a lot of people around the world. Why? Because he is a follower of Christ. Money is not his God. He will not be used by money. He will use his money to serve God. I cannot judge and we are not in the position to judge why this pastor made this decision. That's up to God. But I'm letting you know that the world is our enemy. The devil is also our enemy if you did not know. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting, seeking someone to devour. Never think that because the devil was defeated at the cross, that he does not have power. God allowed the devil to be in control of this world for the time being. So the world is your enemy, the devil is your enemy. Remember I shared with you decisions, choices? I have come to give them life. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. The devil has a plan for you and it's not a good plan. Be careful of the world. Be careful of the devil. And of course, when you face the mirror, Your enemy is yourself. For the flesh desires, the, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. How can I pass it on? How can I pass this godly legacy on if I have the world as my enemy, if I have the devil as my enemy, if I have my flesh as my enemy? How can I pass it on? Well, I have good news for you. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It takes active participation, cooperation with the Holy Spirit to defeat our enemies. And it begins right here. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. We are supposed to be living sacrifices. The problem with living sacrifice, they want to get out from the sacrificial table. They want to get off. It hurts, I get off. It's too costly, I get off. Worship does not only happen on Sundays. Worship for the follower of Jesus Christ is a lifestyle. So what am I to do? Do not be conformed to this world. But 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you will be able to prove what the will of God's will is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So how do I purge the mind? Absorb the word of God. Absorb godly music, godly books. Primarily, first and foremost, please, I cannot overemphasize. Start with the Bible. Fill your mind with God and godly things. Surround yourself with godly people. Marry a godly mate. Do not be conformed. But be, what? Transformed. That's why I always remind you. Move away from just having Bible studies in the middle of the week. Why? Bible study is good for information. We need information. But the purpose of the study is not for information. It is for transformation. Study the word, then focus on application and challenge one another. Even a sharp, iron sharpens iron. Even if you're going to discuss Jesus wept. Okay. Our Bible study for tonight is Jesus wept. I submit to you, you can have an hour and a half long discussion just on Jesus wept. Who is Jesus? Why did he cry? What does make Jesus cry? What, does the, what grieves the Holy Spirit? When somebody sins against you, are you affected? Do you cry? Are you offended? Oh, that's not even one minute yet. And there are already so many topics just on Jesus wept. If you are still in Bible study mode, I'm not saying stop your Bible study. I'm saying concentrate more on application so that application brings about transformation. Then you can hold each other accountable. Oh, based on this, I believe God wants me to do this, God wants me to do that. And then next meeting, oh, so what happened? Were you able to apply what you said? Accountability, right? Discipleship and accountability. But it starts with the renewing of your mind. And then, of course, because we have the enemy, the world, the devil, and ourselves. Where do you think the enemy will also attack? In your mind. Right? Because so as a man thinketh, so he is. So what should we do? 2 Corinthians 10. For we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. This war is not against you and your brother, not against you and your spouse, not against parents and children, children against parents. This battle is a spiritual battle. You have a whole chapter of Ephesians chapter 6 that deals with that. We do not war according to the flesh. We war according to the spirit. And how do we do that? We are destroying speculation. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are what? 
taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is my challenge to you this morning. If you want to pass it on, fight the fight. Renew your mind. Do not be brought by the world. Do not be swallowed by the deception of the world. Renew your mind. When you read the Bible, look for purpose of transformation that you can apply in your life. If you are not in a group, hook up yourselves in a group. Let's vault in to a day group. Right? Bolt in. Bolt in. Why? I don't know about you. I need, I need godly people in my life to encourage me and also to point out, Pastor, you need to change this. I saw how you treated your wife. Huh? That's very terse. Oh, okay. I apologize. Let me see. We all need each other. And we need to help each other. So for me to be able to pass it on, I need the mind of Christ. And the way for me to have the mind of Christ is no longer be conformed to, the, to this world, but by the renewing of my mind, I will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And when the battle rages, I do not war with my strength. I war with the strength of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I demolish every idea, every lofty idea that sets itself against the knowledge of Christ. Why? By taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sin because Jesus Christ paid for that. Yes, I was yours before, but now I belong to Christ. My friends, my challenge to you this morning is, do you have it? Because you cannot pass it on if you yourself do not have it. What is that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Obeying the commandments of God. Why? Because it, his, it is His pathway to your blessing. If you don't have it, you cannot pass it on. If on the other side you have it, then what prevents you from passing it on? Let's pray. My friend, if you are here this morning and you have absolutely no idea what I have been talking about, then perhaps it is time for you to ask God, God, what is your place in my life? Do I have you as my Savior and my Lord? Or am I just playing around with you? Saying and thinking and believing that I am a Christian when perhaps in truth I am not. So as the Bible says, you must examine yourself. If you are in the faith, 
Unless, of course, you fail the test. And if you realize that God is telling you that you don't have a relationship with him, then maybe it is time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. And let him be the Lord and master of your life. On the other hand, you might be here this morning. And you just have stopped. You have no desire to pass it on. You're just complacent enough. I'm saved. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and that's it. And maybe this morning, God has spoken to you that your work is just beginning. Then I would encourage you between you and the Lord to make your commitment. To pass it on. That instead of working and saving up to leave an inheritance to those who will come after you, that you would endeavor to build a legacy of godliness and Christ likeness that you can leave behind to your children, to your grandchildren, and to your great grandchildren a legacy of godly living. God, this world is decaying in a pace that we have not seen in our lifetime. But God, we are not of this world. Teach us to swim against the current. Not to be drawn away by the flow, but to swim against it because we are your children. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And we desire to reflect you no matter where we are, what we do, what we say, what we think. And you have modeled it for us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. And you have warned us that we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, even as Jesus has shed his blood for us. Allow us, Lord, to have this vision of leaving a godly legacy up to the fourth generation, Lord God. Help us to pass it on. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.